Welcome to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. Testing one, two, three, four. And welcome to 2020. There we go. 2019 was our first year. This could get just so much fun. And we invited in some amazing guests. Let's get a, a level on. We had some amazing topics. I know. I, know. I want that story. <laughs> and we'd like to thank you for supporting the show. Yeah. So we thought it might be fun before we dive headlong into the new year. All right, everybody's level looks good, right? To take a quick look back. Okay. At a few of our faves from 2019. Three, two, one. Originally released in November of 2019, this is an interview with Israel Nebaker on Beyond Well Solutions Looks Back. I'm joined by Dr. Jenna Lejeune. Hello, Jenna. Hello. So nice to be back. Yeah. And Brian Goff. So good to see you, Brian. Yeah. You too, Sheila. This is a wonderful reunion for me to see Israel Nebaker here. He's a songwriter from the Oregon coast and his songs, they're so intimate, so beautiful, so melodic. And the lyrics I have always believed would be so helpful to anyone who is going through a difficult time in their lives. But he's also the band leader and producer of Blind Pilot, which is a group that has won international fame in terms of the number of followers who love his honesty and his willingness to share himself in his music. Israel's here today, and he's going to open by playing something from his next album, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Had the look of the green in my eyes Flashing the ferns in the canopy light But the color I keep is the color that bleeds Out from the stories I wanted to be All I wanted to be So I went to the forest that edges the dark And I walked and I walked the black of its heart Passing any direction to find my way back Lost from the trails and lost from the path Oh, oh And I heard the black pines breathing on my stride I heard the dark animals call to the night And the sky's pale pink against all I forgot The silhouette of the elk as they glided across Until a pheasant flew from its bed there at my feet Knocking me back to a man Drop to my knees, buried. 
Every song in the soil I knew as a child So I follow the trails of elk through the night To the skies color washed with the town's far off light While the moon's only mantra was shining my steps Ringing in my ears that it's magic, it's magic And I crossed over morning along the same track they were carrying families from town to their tasks And the boy in the last car still dusting off sleep Staring right through to the strangeness of me Turned his head, almost smiled with his palm on the glass And waved to the walker still singing It's magic, it's magic, it's magic, it's magic You use nature <clears throat> in such a profound way when you're attempting to, to build a song and a scene. So tell us a little bit about the background of that song. Yeah, um, I mean, that song to me represents my relationship to nature as a kid growing up on the coast and, you know, I always felt most at home uh, in the woods. And I was on tour in Germany. We were staying in this little town on the edge of the Black Forest. Mm. And I was I was just going through like an absolute existential crisis. It was, I was pretty spun out and I just had the thought to um, walk straight in to the Black Forest and just see how far in I could get in a day just to see, I don't know, it, it, kind of without intention, wow. uh, kind of in despair. But deep in there, I was like completely lost. It was night. I just had an experience where I recalled my relationship to nature as a kid. And that was enough to kind of shake me up and give me meaning. Like if that was good enough to be my whole world back then, why shouldn't that be uh, enough now to, to have like meaning in life and how how would you describe what happened there i do think of it as a spiritual experience which i often feel like that is a connection to nature that we can have is to feel a greater sense of being than ourselves but specifically what happened was i uh, was walking around in the dark i'd been hiking all day and a pheasant just like uh, did what pheasants do like when they fly out from their hiding places I, I, it must be a tactic to kind of make a bunch of sound all at once and I jumped back and you know heard myself yell and <laughs> I was just wow. like utterly freaked out in this creepy forest it occurred to me I was like why am I so freaked out by the forest I, I remember being a kid mm -hmm. and it, that was my place that's where I felt the most at home and that just that thought just um, was was enough to expand everything and make me remember a different kind of meaning that I was needing at that time in my life. So, you know, I kind of walked in with the intention of getting lost in despair. And then I walked out 
not at all worried. I was like, I'll end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I walked back being lost, but in this totally great way, like um, glad to be lost. Oh, so the, the perspective shift is so brilliant. So I great, love that. Isn't Thanks. it? Yeah, it's cool because, you know, what you were seeing didn't change, but it was like a little lens got flipped, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. you, yeah. like you see it. But then you look at it, mm-hmm. that the forest was the same and then all of a sudden it was different and you were looking at the same thing. Like you clicked in that I am part of this thing that is so big and I am so small, but I'm mm-hmm. still part of it. Exactly. I also yeah. think that Israel's cool. touching on something that's kind of universal, that as humans we're losing our connection to nature. Is it therapeutic to go walking in nature? Actually, that's so interesting. I just had lunch with a colleague on Friday who does ecotherapy. So he, in his therapy practice, takes people out into the forest and they have therapy in the forest because there is something about connecting with something that is larger than you or predates you. And I thought, Mm -hmm. Israel, kind of your, your statement about you walked into the forest lost in despair mm-hmm. and and then you found this place that was home again it's like you you sort yeah. of remembered oh yeah this is my home both from a kid but then also if you think evolutionarily like oh yeah i am a part of this absolutely mm, yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's i always try to keep a mystery alive in my connection to nature my relationship mm-hmm. because it is our home it mm-hmm. is we're, you know we are a part of it we're not separate from it and I think yeah it can give you therapy it can be you know give you happiness when you need it, it can give you connection it can give us all these things but also it's really cool that we don't even understand how much it can give us isn't that amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I love this idea that you felt disconnected Mm. because so often when we're going through these, whether it's a big existential crisis or just kind of the first time something like this has happened to you, it can feel like, um, oh, I have to get away from this thing. This Mm. thing that I'm feeling is Mm. scary or dangerous or I got to fix it in some way. And if instead we look at it as, oh, you're disconnected then the the task is to actually go into the thing that it is to be able to explore it more and you get to do that through music much to our benefit but there's uh, we all have our own ways of connecting with all of those parts with us so whether that's journaling talking with a friend or a therapist any way that is about actually reconnecting will help us um, maybe not fix the problem, but integrate it into who we are and understand it better. Totally. That's yeah. so well put. When uh, the last time that I interviewed you, your father had just passed mm. and you said people talk a lot about the horror of death, but they rarely let you know how much beauty you're going to witness. Yeah. Did that come out in any of your music later after I spoke with you, did you end up turning any of that, that loss and that beautiful moment with your dad into a song? Oh, yeah. Our whole last album, and then Like Lions, I had this intention with that album that I had experienced so much beauty surrounding loss. And I also found that when I wanted to share that with people, it was not a conversation people wanted to have. Mm. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm not just trying to bring everybody down. This is rich, fertile ground. You know, if like we could really share something here. So that's what I wanted to create was a conversation that was inviting that people would actually want to 
come into. Wow, that sounds familiar to me to the the Black Forest idea. Like you go into this Black Forest from this kind of dark place, this big existential crisis, and you find beauty and meaning and connection in there. And it's the same sort of thing like you wouldn't expect having the privilege of watching your father pass as being something of beauty, but you found beauty in that. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I... I think that, you know, you were using the words like it was it's so rich, it's so fertile. Yeah. And that's very different than it's so fun. And instead of diving in and seeing what's there mm. and exploring and finding richness there, it's more like I need to make that go away. I need to make that not feel that way. I don't want to go there. Yes. Right? Yeah. But strangely enough, a lot of the emotions that we label as negative we label them as negative and yet then we get on scary rides because we really want to feel afraid oh, and we yeah. watch movies that are full of dread and drama mm-hmm. and we listen to music that makes us want to cry and that's what's beautiful mm-hmm. right that it's like that's that's what makes us human at least in part of what makes us human is being able to feel these feels absolutely we go around with a lot of armor up just to get through the day and deal with traffic and pay the damn bills And when something as profound as watching someone you love die, it strips you down to a place of your uh, being that feels really familiar and beautiful. Or even even going through something like a major depression or going a, a big existential crisis, it's the same thing. It strips us of all of these comforts that we have and this familiarity. And there can be something incredibly rich and beautiful emerging from that process, mm-hmm. whether it's death or, you know, coming out of a depression. Yeah. Do you have another song you can play for us as well? Yeah, yeah. I would I'll, love play, it. I'll play I'm Quiet Rushing. Oh, yeah. I would love it. Great. Panic in the first beat of the morning Even what I've got isn't worth offering If I can't cross the sheet and hold your beat Talking in the street With who is listening Nothing that I say Is worth remembering Even faces changed My heart stayed the same Sky won't let the moment go. Following behind, always a second slow. If I'm far away, am I here and straight? I'm the voice you want to know. Oh.
single album just blows me away. I was thinking about a lot of my existential crisis right now is around what's happening to the planet. And because you're so invested in the health of this planet, how are you coping with that? With, I mean, do you think about, like I do on a daily basis, how much the planet is changing and that these beautiful places we're going to might not be there for our kids? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to reconcile that exactly, except mm-hmm. for to keep reminding myself to not get numb to it. And I think the tendency is to be like, well, I can't solve it. So I think I'll won't feel it as deeply. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I see happening is it's it's sort of like we treat nature as this other thing. And maybe we have the thought, oh, I should be taking care of nature or planet. And I, I just, at least for me, I just feel like any time we are separating this other out there, it's not as useful. So rather, what if you saw like you actually are nature, you are connected with nature. And then just as I might take care of myself and my loved ones, I, I take care of this earth as well, because we're all the same thing. It's it's all the same thing. You know, in the way that we take care of relationships, it, paralleling that with nature, I think sometimes we don't take care of relationships until they're damaged. Um, we don't, we don't really tend to them. We more try to repair them Mm -hmm. and fix them. Mm -hmm. I think for me, at least one of the difficult things about the, the climate crisis 
is we're being told that it will happen someday. And the tyranny of the mundane, like, oh, I have to get groceries and I've got to drive to work and Mm -hmm. I've got to do what's in front of me right now. It's difficult to have a meaningful connection to a threat that might show up or that will show up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. If our orientation to nature is our orientation to fixing a broken relationship, we're kind of screwed because by the time we recognize that there's this damage that needs to be fixed, the climatologists are telling us it'll be too late. Mm. If instead what we're doing is we're moving towards something we care about and we're nurturing it, then we can invest in it even though it isn't yet completely broken. This is nature. This is our relationships. This is our own bodies. Exactly. Nurturing rather than fixing. Rather than fixing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I think about so much of your music is like people, we are the current, we are the air, it's us. And Brian, to your point, I guess, because if you're an artist, I think maybe you're more attuned to all the changes that are happening right now. You don't have to wait mm-hmm. for the mass migration to occur. You're sensitive to the minute changes in the forest. You're mm-hmm. sensitive to the minute warming. You know, like the little things really impact very sensitive people early. And that's that's why I'm, I'm always so fascinated to listen to young people because I think they're still holding on to that sensitivity. Mm-hmm. They're trying to say, this is big for us right now already, you know? I really love that. One thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Israel, is there is so much reliance on technology, especially with young people, at a time when all of these other things are circulating around, the breakup of families, not as many people live with their tribes as Mm -hmm. they used to, with this climate crisis that impacts everyone. And it seems like instead of being conscious and aware of all of those concerns, a lot of people just get lost in that little three by five screen. Yeah. Like that can be my reality. Mm-hmm. Have you written about that at all? It's coming up a lot for me. I, I think I have a lot of work to do because I know that for me, most of the depression I've experienced throughout my life is to do with a lack of um, deep connectivity. So... We are more than ever, quote unquote, connected, but it's all shallow and it creates a lot of despair in the world, I think. Yeah, me too. It's an issue that's really close to my heart right now that I want to be writing about. Yeah. Because also we don't know. It's so new. I don't want to just say it's all bad. Right, of course. It's, you know, like we're on a horrible road no matter what, but it's hard to see how it will or can become actual deep human connection. Right. I think it's um, really important to know that the creators of all of the social media platforms don't allow their kids to have phones. Yeah. Like, yeah. that says it to me. It's sort of mm-hmm. like they've, they've probably done all of the data crunching and all of the long-term psychological analysis and probably know, like, let your brain heal, let your synapses lay down, get get the formation of a healthy brain before you let that kind of thing occur. Or yeah. just go outside. <laughs> I mean, it can even be that simple, yeah. like sure. actually just spend time yeah. out yeah. in nature. Yeah. 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 Our phones, like our minds, are wonderful servants and terrible masters. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. What a great line. Yeah. What a great, great line. Because you are so forthcoming and so incredibly generous with your time and with your story 
and I think it will do wonders to normalize the experience of a lot of your fans and, and, and young people who really love you, Israel. Is there anything I didn't touch on that you want to leave us with? Well, I wanted to say this at the top of the show, but I just want to thank you three from the bottom of my heart for having this conversation, for making this mm -hmm. show, because that, I think, is the most important thing that we can be doing for mental health in our world right now, is just talking, keeping the conversation going. And it's it's beautiful how you three do that. Oh, thank wow, you. Thank yeah. you. Okay, one last song. Yeah. Um, this is a song called Don't Doubt, and... It came from an experience in my community, in my neighborhood. A young man in high school lost his life to suicide, and it was so difficult for his family, for the whole community. I had this such a strong urge to wish I could just go back in time, you know, a little bit, and try to explain to him how much better things will get, that this is a really hard time in your life, but, mm. you know, don't give up just mm. now. And it was such a journey of a song for me because I found myself trying to come up through this song with reasons not to, to give up. Mm -hmm. It's so difficult to come up with concrete, actual reasons why it's so important to not give up. I had written half the song and then I just got stuck for like a month or more. I was, I was talk, having a conversation with my mom actually at her house and explaining the journey that I was on with this song and I just like can't seem to come up with it and she's like why don't you just go out in the garden and just like I don't know just just like be open and see what happens and mm. you know it was like the bees were pollinating her plants in her beautiful garden and uh you know the birds were making sounds and it just occurred to me that that's a pretty good reason that that's the way that everything is moving toward so step with it um yeah so this is a song called Don't Doubt. Have a word to call this kind of a year that made you kneel and beg it to turn you right. Two dead birds underneath the headlights, every sound they ever made to call out they are alive. Every piece of me that breaks Trying to keep on the side From doubt Don't you doubt Everybody's seen some winter Don't you take the dark way out Don't you just take the dark way out Thin wind ringing in the silver times Yeah, it took you by the throat But it wasn't the killing kind And now you don't Tell it like you used to 
every day left in the dark is gonna come back to you every hope left in your heart is waiting on what you'll do with doubt don't you doubt everybody's seen some winter don't you take the dark way out don't Just take the dark way out Don't you doubt how the reason's all dead And they're growing in the ground So why does it give? Why the take? Why the bitter kiss? Why the mean? Why the anything? Just be the man Be the child, be the cold midnight Soak in the bones of this town In the breath, in the bake In the honey taken from every green thing given sweet In the call, in the pour In the want and want In the sound even your own body knows All there is, seed and shell Your hands are lined with all that they haven't held I think I just found a new anthem for suicide prevention yes, with that song. So absolutely. That is real. Thank you so much for being with us. You're, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.